Hi everyone, welcome to the Take Your Musings podcast with me, Phil Saker. It's episode 87 today, it's the 22nd of June, 23, and today we are looking at how we can wake up those who are held captive by Satan. So welcome to the podcast today, everyone. Um, today I'm responding to a question that someone asked uh, last week. We were thinking about Satan's tactics in the world and um, someone asked, well, how can we wake people up as it seems like people are, are under this this spell, uh, under the power of Satan? And um, that's a really good question. And that's one that I want to come on to in the main section of the podcast. So that's what we're going to be thinking about, how to wake people up who are sort of held captive. Before we get to that, uh, just a couple of links for you today. So there's not um, that much that uh, that I've seen, but there are a couple of things that I wanted to highlight. One of them, the first one, was this article, which, I mean, it gave me a really good laugh, actually. Um, But the headline is, it's on The Guardian. The headline is this, Joe Lysette um, backs out of award ceremony over fossil fuel links. Um, so this is a an uh, LGBT award, the British LGBT Awards, uh, after climate campaigners warned of sponsorship deals with oil giants, including people like BP. So uh, they've backed out of the LGBT awards because of climate change problems. And I just thought, you know, that this is so... Uh, I mean, the comment that I made on Twitter was that, you know, maybe we we worry too much about woke. You know, if we just leave them, they'll just eat themselves. And that does seem to be happening, you know, that that, that nobody can ever be pure enough for anybody else. And that if you look into it, that if you can't be associated with anyone who's sort of impure, then you'll end up being very isolated and on your own and you'll end up attacking others. And that's just what happens with this kind of man-made religion. I don't think they could hold it together long enough, really, to actually do to do much. Um, I think the problem is really with the woke that they seem to the government seem to be in hock to this um, thinking and this ideology. But really, it's so it's so ridiculous. So that 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 did give me a bit of a laugh. The main one that I wanted to mention is this article on Newsweek about Ukraine, which says the government keeps lying to us about Ukraine. Where is the outrage? And it's written by um, Michael Tracy, published on the 14th of June. And let me just read you a couple of excerpts, as I thought this was really good. So um, the first excerpt, this is what he says. If you turn on the TV, you'll find pundits on every channel loyally reciting from memory the broad parameters of the US mission, at least as it's being conveyed in daily rhetorical flourishes by Biden administration officials assorted congressional chest bumpers and brave think tank warriors. Freedom and autocracy are locked in a great cosmic battle of good versus evil, or so goes the usual storyline, most often narrated with a degree of moral complexity that can be generously compared to a lower tier Marvel movie. I thought that was fantastic, particularly that last line comparing what we're being told with a lower tier Marvel movie. You know, it's like the Ukrainians, everything good and right, you know, is is the Ukraine and Putin and Russia, everything bad and evil. That's sort of the the narrative. And, you know, it's very like COVID, isn't it? That, you know, COVID, the worst thing that's ever happened. We need to shut down society to deal with this virus because it is unprecedented. 
And, you know, so it's sort of demonized, if you like. And the action taken is totally disproportionate and distorted against um, what, what the reality is. So, yeah, I thought that was that was insightful. Let me just read you a bit down from the, the bottom as well, because the, the, the article is talking about um, uh, the Polish sort of soldiers or, or what have you, Ukrainian Polish, marching into Russia and taking the war into beyond the borders of Ukraine into Russia. And this was not what they said that they were going to do at the start. This is, you know, all of this has kind of been, um, you know, the goalposts keep changing as well. And so let me read this last part, the last couple of paragraphs. Still, it's harder than one might expect to rouse much critical interest, especially among a media that has been politically, ideologically and emotionally invested in Ukraine's glorious war-fighting cause from the outset. One perfect example of late was a CNN article in which senior US officials were reported confiding that while they had condemned the strikes inside Russia, they, of course, privately believe the cross-border attacks are a smart military strategy. A state official saying one thing in public but another in private used to be the most surefire sign of official deceit a journalist could hope to uncover. Yet CNN seemed to just let it flow by like a gentle spring breeze, almost as though they were actually impressed with the guile of the senior US officials they'd been given the honour of anonymously paraphrasing. As it stands, the US government continually pelts the American people with provable untruths in service of maintaining a war policy that bears almost no resemblance to how it was initially presented. And in the sectors of society allegedly tasked with scrutinising government conduct, this is mostly met with a shrug. How much more extreme does the deception need to get before sustained pushback is no longer avoidable? I thought that was really helpful. Um, again, you know, th this is, I think many of us have just sensed this when it comes to Ukraine. It it's like, um, whatever the rights and wrongs of the situation in Ukraine, whatever the rights and wrongs of the war um, and, and Ukraine and Russia and so on, it's not, you know, in, in a sense, good versus evil in a plain and simple sense. Certainly not the way that the media are portraying it. And even to talk and, and commend this kind of deception, I think is it just unveils what the media are really thinking, and you know how they are sort of um, uh, yeah, just not not acting in good faith, really, uh, just pushing a narrative, and that kind of pushing a narrative rather than giving people the facts and letting them decide for themselves. This whole whole thing about pushing a narrative, you know, that's something that we saw all the way through COVID. And it seems to be all the media do now, you know, that they they don't they don't give you the facts and and you know report in you know as, as you know trying to get in as unbiased a way as possible with values, you know, but but they actually just push a narrative. That's all that they do. So uh, yeah, I thought that was that that article was worth reading and helps to express I think a lot of the problems that I have. Although it's about what's happening in America. Uh, I think it kind of helped to express the reservations that I've had all the way through about this situation in uh, in Ukraine. Okay, let's move on now then to look at the main topic. Just before we do that, by the way, um, I'll just remind you once again that um, 
if you'd like to get in touch, then you can do that on YouTube. You can leave a comment. Uh, you can telegram me. There's a telegram group. The link is down below. You can email me through at sacredmusingpod at gmail.com. And um, that would be, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much um, for getting in touch. And as I said, um, this coming main section is about a question that someone had to ask me. Um, and also, if you'd like to support the podcast, there's a buy me a coffee link. And uh, don't forget, if you're on the audio podcast, if your podcast provider allows, please do, um, if you can, leave me a rating as it doesn't, you know, it's quite easy to do on um, certainly on, on Apple and sort of iTunes podcasts um, and even a review. You know, that would be really helpful. That does help other people to find um, Sacred Musings as well. So let's move on now to the, the main section So I've, I've called this how to wake people up from Satan's influence. Um, but let me read the actual question that uh, that I was asked to, to sort of provoke this. Now, this is a question from regular um, podcast uh, listener and supporter Liz, uh, Liz Kilbride. I have started a small ladies prayer group for awake Christians. We have been thinking a lot about the hold the devil seems to have over so many people and organisations. Could you perhaps do a talk on how Christians can combat this? How should we pray? I know some Christians suggest that we just accept it because these are the end times, so it is inevitable. It is tempting to form small support groups of awake Christians, which we are also doing, but isn't there a danger of becoming too insular? Okay, well, that's a great question, actually, um, Liz. And, and I think a lot of people would echo those sentiments, which is when you, you look around at the world, you think, well, things have gone mad. You know, that why is it that I seem to be able to see things which other people can't? And what's going on? You know, they seem to be uh, captives. And um, and as we'll see, that's actually, that word is actually quite accurate. But let's um, let's let's go through... So I thought um, it might be helpful to think about who is it that needs waking up? Because I, I think there are different, we see this in different groups in, in different ways. So I've got three here. The first group, I would say, are ordinary people, which are the majority, sometimes called the silent majority. And I think these are people who, I mean, they'll have a, a range of views. Obviously, people have a range of views about all sorts of different issues. But often I found that they don't really want to take sides here and believe in sort of, as they would call it, conspiracy theories. Um, they're often very trusting of the media and of institutions and of the government. And, you know, if something is on the BBC, then they'll think, well, that, that must be accurate because it's on the BBC. And their focus tends to be just on getting through everyday life, you know, not on the big questions. And in fact, perhaps there's an unwillingness to consider the big questions because they are focused on on everyday life and, you know, just getting through day by day. And let's let's be honest. I mean, who can blame people for just wanting to focus on getting through day by day? Uh, some people um, I remember there's a quote um, that, uh, you know, that the elites worry about the end of the world. Most people worry about the end of the week or, or the end of the month. You know, and, and I think there is a lot of truth in that, that people have concerns which are just getting through life, really. 
So seeing the bigger picture, seeing the evil that's happening in the world, yeah, that's a that's a um, something which they just don't want to consider. Maybe so. So that's one group of people, and um, we'll, we'll think a little bit about that in the next. The next group of people are, and I've called them the woke. And I know that it's quite difficult to define this as one group of people because I, I don't think it is one group of people. But it's interesting how the beliefs, which these kind of beliefs, do tend to coalesce around what we call woke. You know, climate change and transgenderism and um you know all of these sorts of things it does tend to, to coalesce around that um and i think these people have been um these are people who have been captured by a particular ideology almost like an alternative religion and we've spoken quite a bit on the podcast over the last um, couple of years about how wokeism and you know, that these things are almost like an alternative religion. And that's actually kind of what I was saying in the um, podcast a, a couple of weeks ago about whether the Church of England is institutionally Satanist. You know, that there does seem to be an alternative religion going round, which is satanic and deceptive. Now, the interesting thing about the, the woke as well, or to say the interesting thing, but something which is important to understand is that they are not open to rational discussion. And we'll come on to that in more detail in a moment. Uh, the third group that I, I, I identified is institutions. So obviously this is not talking about people, but but the, the bigger things that they're part of, the groups that they're part of. And it's interesting that institutions seem to be more than the sum of their parts. Um, they seem to be moving in lockstep. And that was what was quite interesting with lockdown, that you know Western governments just seem to go like a pack of cards. But also, um, you think about things like the World Health Organization and how the World Health Organization and the EU, um, there was that, that meeting that they had the other week about the two things sort of coming together about this digital pass. And... Um, you know, so it seems like these transnational organisations are moving in lockstep as well. So what got into those organisations? Now, I'm not going to focus too much on the institutions today. I won't focus on them because institutions are made up of people. So I'm just going to focus on the first two. But, you know, I think it's just interesting how institutions, when they when people get together, move in the same kind of directions. But it is starts with people first. So that's where I think it's important for us to, to, to begin as well. So how do we wake up ordinary people, those who don't have a particular ideological commitment to um, wokeism or, or this sort of alternative religion, who are just trying to go through their lives? Um. There's a quote from Juvenal, a Roman poet um, from around 100 AD, and uh, he made a, a comment which has become quite famous. Let me read that for you. This is a translation that's found on Wikipedia, but I assume it's reasonably accurate. Already long ago, from when we sold our vote to no man, the people have abdicate, abdicated our duties. For the people who once upon a time handed out military command, high civil office, legions, Everything now restrains itself 
and anxiously hopes for just two things, bread and circuses. The bread and circuses comment is a very astute uh, one, I think, an insightful one. That Juvenile, this, this poet, recognised that people were um, just looking for amusement and looking for entertainment in life. They wanted bread, they wanted you know things to eat, and they wanted circuses, they wanted en entertainment. And uh, that is, I think where we come to today as well and this is what um, Neil Postman was saying in his um, book I think from 1985 called Amusing Ourselves to Death one of those books which everyone refers to and to my shame I haven't actually read it um, I have read a, a synopsis uh, it's another one of those ones which I will get round to one day um, but this is what he is saying that it's a sort of we live in a, a sort of self-imposed authoritarianism, which is the, the authoritarianism of the television. So rather than the government imposing, um, you know, the boot on us, not like that vision of, of Orwell, um, you know, that um, socialism is a, um, a boot stamping on the human spirit, you know, forever or, or something like that. Uh, he says we do it to ourselves through the television, through the media. And I think what he said is really you can see that today that people just care about their bellies and about their their entertainment they don't care about the bigger things and as juvenile said back in 100 AD you know that um people they once handed out military command high civil office and legions and and everything you know the people used to be the ones who cared about these things and you know that the idea of democracy is that it derives its power from the people. Now, the people would have principles, the people would care. But now it just seems like people don't really care. They just care about you know, their own entertainment, not the bigger issues. And how do we break through to people in that situation? I think the only way that we can break through is if the bread and circuses are disrupted. And... It's interesting that that does seem to be happening to some extent with things like a net zero, as well as the 15 minute city thing or the um, ultra low emission zone and so on. That when what the elites are doing really starts to impinge upon people's normal lives, their ability to live a normal life in the way that they want. So when people realise that a lot of their electricity bill is going on a green subsidy. For example, when people realise that they are, you know, we don't have enough power because we've been relying on green energy, so-called green energy, rather than relying on more re um, reliable nuclear, coal, gas, you know, fossil fuel and, and nuclear kind of energy, then people are going to ask questions and, and end up being angry because they, they've been denied having something that they want because of this ideology that's been going on. So I think we are starting to see actually people reacting and net zero has been losing a lot of support because people have begun to realise what net zero entails. And it's the same with these other things as well. I think the 15 minute cities, you know, the, the pushback against the ultra low emission zone in London has been quite extensive. So... You know, I think people are beginning to wake up and see just because it's impinging upon 
their bread and circuses you know because it's impinging upon the things that they care about the most something which i think is is notable about this is that we can't achieve this ourselves that people have to be woken up themselves that you know they're if you like the idols need to be broken and we can't break people's idols for them that can only happen from from god and i think that um yeah it, it's something which does seem to be happening actually it's uh, it's interesting that that we are in this situation now um but you know we can't do it ourselves we need to we need to look to to god i think ultimately to break break that power and uh, i hope that we will see that happening uh, more and more so that's something about about um, ordinary people uh, but what about uh, the woke what about those who are um as a, as I, I i put here they don't just go along with the mainstream narrative out of convenience i think a lot of ordinary people just kind of go along with things because it's convenient and if they you know continue getting the stuff that they want then they they won't challenge but i think the the woke are not just those who go along with, for convenience but are true believers you know that's the thing that they are not just going along with it but they are real true believers in the cause um now experience has taught me and perhaps many of you too that these are people who cannot be persuaded by rational argument um unfortunately the belief that what they believe seems to override logic and reason and evidence and even things like compassion as well you know you think back in times of, of covid when anyone who questioned was seen to be dangerous even if you had the best interest at heart of you know children and the elderly and just everyone really you know just to, to, on, on on balance you wanted the best for everyone um and you know this is how it works that the belief kind of overrides anything and this is a phenomenon which psychologists uh, have um, uh, come up with a name for called confirmation bias so wikipedia explains this is the tendency to search for interpret favor and recall information in a way that confirms or supports one's prior beliefs or values so that you know really people like to think we are rational creatures but we're really not rational at all that actually we we find reasons to believe what we want to believe rather than you know actually engaging our brains which is why it is so important to to think and to make sure that we are thinking carefully um you know because we do have god god has given us that capacity but unfortunately many people uh, see you know, sort of give up that capacity in favor of an actual unshakable sort of religious like devotion to a belief and it's interesting that this happens even in science the physicist uh, max planck uh, had a principle which is sometimes summarized as this science progresses one funeral at a time and what he was basically saying is that when you know a new sort of um, model comes along in science then a lot of the time the the younger scientists uh, sort of the older scientists don't accept it 
the younger scientists sort of grow up with it and accept it because you know they they're younger they you know and, and when the older scientists die out then the younger scientists sort of take over and, and the theory becomes um the dominant and it is interesting how that that does you know even within science which you know is said to be evidence-based and you know to, to look at to follow the evidence wherever it leads that even there you do get um, confirmation bias and people hold on to dearly held um, beliefs even in spite of the evidence and reason and logic and so on so it seems like you can't override this even even in in science and my uh, interactions with the woke were not just mine but you know observing interaction I, I try and avoid actually interacting with the woke if possible really um, but it, it's it's really reminiscent of my interactions with atheists uh, some years ago now, when the, the new new atheism was more popular I used to be a bit of a you know go on internet forums and debate with atheists and to be honest with you it was a complete waste of time or well maybe not a complete waste of time but I I, um, I should have been doing more productive things really because you were dealing with people who had a sort of ideological commitment to something and no matter what evidence you presented I often found you know if I presented you know a signed authentic original copy of the bible I know that such a thing doesn't exist but you know and the voice of God boomed down and said this is the bible you know, they would still not accept it you know that that's that's the kind of thing that no evidence you could present was enough um for for the, you know they they decided what they wanted to believe it was clear that they were not basing what they believed on the evidence and on reason that it was actually on a prior ideological commitment to there being no god um uh so yeah and you can't argue with that So something which people have come to understand when it comes to you know the woke and people who are bought into to all of this stuff is that they need a, a spiritual conversion. You know they need a change which is beyond the limits of rational argument. That although rational argument is important, that you know we need it won't change people's hearts because they already have this belief commitment. They have this sort of religious commitment to a set of ideas, to an ideology, to this sort of substitute religion, rather than, um, the, you know, and, and that can't be reasoned out of. And this is why I disagree with folks like uh, Constantine Kissin. Um, now, he's someone I saw an interesting video a week or so ago. He was interviewed by Glenn Scrivener from Speak Life. And what Constantine Kissing was saying, and I don't want to, to misrepresent him, but what he was saying is, um, if you look at something like uh, equality, for example, the equality of all human beings, he was saying, yes, you know, that idea did come from Christianity. But he said, but you can also get there from sort of rational means. So you don't need people to believe in Christianity in order to have the equality of all human beings, because it can be demonstrated sort of logically. Now, I I disagree with Constantine because although I do believe that, you know, Christianity is logical and rational and the, those things like the equality of human beings are logical and rational, 
At the same time, you can't convince someone of that who has a religious commitment to something else. So if someone has a, a sort of religious commitment to sort of wokeism, to this hierarchy of victimhood or, or whatever it is, then you can't persuade them via rational means that what they are doing is wrong. That they, they will not accept it because the belief trumps the evidence and trumps reason. This is why people go and do whatever they, they want, even though they know it's bad. Because, you know, the belief and, and their desires trump kind of evidence and reason. So we need something deeper than that. We need a, an authority. We need, as I, I, I put it in, in the old-fashioned words, we need a, a thus saith the Lord. You know, we need thus saith the Lord to actually say this is what God says and whether you you reason it or or not this is the authority of you know almighty God um, this this truth comes with the authority of God and that you cannot just simply ignore it you know you ignore it at your peril um, so um, yeah I think that's the thing that you know reason it just creates an authority void and it will not convince people who are you know have this religious commitment to an alternative set of beliefs that's those are the people that we really really need to um to, to change and to reach and it will not happen by reason alone it's interesting i was um watching an interview uh, yesterday it was the mark stein show and uh, he it wasn't mark stein actually it was a, a friend of his from canada um who was doing the doing the um the show but he interviewed the freds you know right said fred and he um he was saying um they were saying actually they made reference to the the spiritual war that we're in they wrote this song it's a spiritual war and um i think i mentioned that at the time it came out a few weeks ago um a good good song and an encouraging song but they said they recognized that we are in a spiritual good versus evil kind of war and they actually said at an event that they were at a few weeks ago, people just sort of spontaneously started reciting the Lord's Prayer. And it was a really um, powerful moment. And I thought, well, that's really, really interesting that they recognise this. Um, I think where people like um, them go wrong is that they then went to say, you know, it's spiritual you know it's good versus evil but we just need to recognize that and i think that is so important that we do need to recognize the spiritual dimension to what is happening but i also think that spiritual wars need to be engaged with spiritually and that you know we need the tools that god has given to actually engage uh, rather than simply saying it's a spiritual war that doesn't really that that may help to recognize the problem but it doesn't give any solutions so how do we engage spiritually let me read a passage from 2 corinthians uh, chapter 4 verses 1 to 6 and this talks about engaging spiritually therefore since through god's mercy we have this ministry we do not lose heart rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, 
we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Okay, that's a wonderful passage. I think I may have quoted um, a verse or two from this last week, actually. Um, But let me draw out five lessons for us in engaging spiritually. The first lesson is do not lose heart. I know personally how easy it is to get discouraged. You know, you, you can think you're on your own. You can think that you are going mad, perhaps. Um, and you can just think, well, no one is believing me. I'm trying to, to wake people up and no one is believing me. So don't get discouraged. Remember that if God has woken us up in his mercy, then it's for a purpose. It is for a reason. And this is where those small groups, which um, Liz mentioned in the original question, are so important. Just encourage one another. Don't think that you're all alone, but encourage one another. Meet together. Pray together. Um, that in itself is is helpful because it will encourage you not to give up. So that that's the first thing. The second thing then is about the means that we use is not to use secret and shameful ways to quote from from the Bible. Deception and secrecy are the ways of the enemy. It's a bit like actually um, I mentioned in the at the beginning about the uh, the media and Ukraine, the way that it's the narrative rather than you know sort of the unvarnished truth, looking at it all, all its complexities. Um, that you know we mustn't be like that. That we must be open and transparent, you know, with wisdom. So that, that I think that doesn't mean necessarily we should, um, you know, we, we should have wisdom in what we say to people, and not just you know some people you can be more open with. Um, and it, it is important to be rational and, and to make reasoned arguments as well, that I think even if reasoned arguments aren't what convinces someone in the end, that we need to be prepared to make them and we need to make them well. So we need to be careful to look at the truth, to look at the facts, to all, you know to make sure that what we say is in accordance with logic and reason and, and all of those things. So we must be prepared to do the hard work of making a case sort of watertight. And we shouldn't go beyond the facts as well. We shouldn't exaggerate. And I think that is something that does put people off. That if you, you know, make the World Economic Forum or or whoever it might be, the distillation of pure evil, I think people think, well, that's that seems a little bit unlikely. And you know, perhaps you might you might think that they they are doing wrong, they are doing evil, but you know that that actually they're not everything that is wrong with the world. And, you know, we need to get a sense of a right sense of perspective. Um, The important thing, the bullet point that I would I would put here is actually God cares about the means more than he cares about the ends. And that's very that's the opposite of the media, isn't it? You know, the media and the government and so on, they they wanted to um, 
you know people to stay in their homes rather than going out during um, during covid so what they did is they said well we can use fear to do that because fear um, will effectively accomplish what we want that's the whole behavioral insights team thing and that's wrong because that's using the wrong means and i would disagree with the ends as well but nonetheless they used the wrong means and that said in my view that invalidated the whole thing you know if, if we're willing to use the wrong means to get to the right ends then that will invalidate us that we need to use the right means not to be deceptive to seek the truth always and to speak the truth okay let's move on um, next a uh, couple of lessons remember that satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so people are in a sense captured and i i thought it was just a, a good reminder to me that the woke are not our enemy per se but they are foot soldiers of the enemy now we were thinking about the the sort of satanic religion which seems to be coming in and ha i think the the um the people who are true believers they've been taken captive by the enemy but they are not the enemy themselves you know they are just doing his work but they are not the enemy uh, themselves and i think that's a helpful way of looking at it that what we need to do is we need to seek pe to release people from captivity rather than defeat them people need to be released rather than defeated and one thing that means is that we need to pray for them to be set free so rather than praying for them to be defeated we need to, to pray for their their freedom their freedom from this darkness this captivity this blindness there's a verse in mark's gospel jesus um, drove out a demon which his disciples have been unable to drive out and they come to him afterwards privately and say why could we not drive out the demon and jesus says to them this kind can come out only by prayer how do we defeat satan and free people from oppression by prayer at the end of the day that's the, the fundamental most important thing even more so than making rational arguments and looking at the facts uh, we need to be praying for people and caring for them enough to pray the fourth lesson is that jesus sets people free as paul said what we preach is not ourselves but jesus christ as lord i think there's a real temptation in these things to almost you know in it's almost like we're not trying to win people over to the truth we're trying to win people over to our side and we need to remember that we are not the savior that we are not the ones that people need to join they need to, to join the truth and ultimately they need to be you know they need jesus that's who they they really need this is what jesus said in in john's gospel john 8 31 and 32 if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free people when they know jesus will know the truth and the truth will set them free so what we need to do is to bring people to jesus and introduce them to him now you might be thinking well that i don't see the church over the last 
uh, few years doing a very good job of living by the truth. And that's true. And I, I think part of the problem is that the church has lost sight of who Jesus is. And if the church had a better um, idea of who Jesus is, then the church would have held more fast to the truth and be more open to the truth rather than all of these these narratives that are going on. And uh, and so I think those two things are linked, you know, Jesus and the truth. You know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Um, and so, you know, that you can't wake people, really, I think, without without Jesus. Um, and the third, uh, uh, sorry, the third thing, the fifth and final thing uh, is we need to trust in God who made light shine out of darkness. Let me just read that verse again. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Isn't it a lovely thought to think that if God made light shine in our hearts, you know, we were once darkness, but now we've come to Christ, you know, we're light in the Lord. He can do it for others as well. If God did it for us, he can do it for others. And so what do we need to do? Now, well, we need to obey God. We need to trust him. We need to pray and we need to proclaim Christ. Those are the things that we, we need to do. Let me finish with a few um, practical suggestions as to how we can go about doing this, because uh, I, I always like to try and keep things practical um, on the podcast. How can we actually do this? Um, the first thing is, don't think that going deeper into faith is retreating or becoming insular, as, as Liz put it in, the, in the, the, her question. That we need people with a deeper grasp of who Jesus is, and a deeper faith in him. Um, and, and so when we study the Bible, when we come together to pray and talk about these things, then that is uh, the first step, really, in fighting against the darkness. Just getting together, loving one another, loving God, reading the Bible, praying, all of those things, that's a blow against the darkness. And that is a blow against the darkness in other people. You know, that the more powerful we see Christ to be in our lives then the more we'll trust him to actually take away the darkness in, in others and, and that can only ever be a good thing. It's a lovely quote from um, Francis Schaeffer who I've mentioned before several times on, on this podcast but uh, his sermon No Little People this is from a book of his sermons called No Little People um, but uh, I, I read it recently again but um, this is a quote from No, no Little People those who think of themselves as little people in little places, if committed to Christ and living under his lordship in the whole of life, may, by God's grace, change the flow of our generation. That's the thing. Don't think that a small group of awake Christians reading the Bible, praying together, all of that, don't think that that's insignificant or insular. That in itself could change the flow of our generation. Because your trust is not in yourselves, but in God who raises the dead and God who made light out of darkness. And, and the more we can get to know him, the, the more effective it will be, I think. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that spiritual darkness needs the one who conquers darkness. And I know I, I'm in danger of sounding like a broken record on the podcast, 
But I think it's so important that, you know, it's easy to look at the problems of the world, the problems of COVID and the, the, the climate change and everything, all of those problems, and think, why are people not awake? But, you know, we, we at the end of the day, if as Christians we try to wake people without Christ, we are not helping them. And uh, we may have some degree of success in looking, you know, convincing people of the facts. But if we do it without Christ, we are not actually going to help people. So let me read you a couple of quotes. You're both from uh, 1 John, actually. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. If what people are in the grip of is this, this sort of satanic, um, deceitful religion, then they need the Son of God to destroy his work. That's so important. And uh, another quote here, 1 John 5 verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's actually only through trusting and believing in Christ that we overcome in the end. And I think we really need to, that's a message that needs to be clear. And we have to proclaim. So... Yeah, um, we need, you know, spiritual darkness is the one who conquers darkness. We must, as Christians, be confident in Christ as the one who conquers darkness. Um, not not just simply, you know, um, uh, trying to convince people by rational argument, but pro proclaiming Christ as well, front and centre. The third and final thing is the fundamental importance of prayer. John Calvin the Reformation theologian once said, prayer is the chief exercise of faith. And one thing which I think is, is really helpful to do is just simply to meditate on the Psalms. You know that, yes, I think you know, we need to pray, uh, but particularly the Psalms, I think, are the Bible's prayer book. And they do help us to to gain you know, insight in how we should pr uh, how we should pray and how we should relate to God, even in times like these. And if you'd like some help in um, getting started with praying with the Psalms, then I can really highly thoroughly recommend this book, uh, Psalms by the Day, a new devotional translation by Alec Matea. Alec Matea is a, a late um, Bible scholar and pastor and, and teacher. And uh, this book is fantastic, really. It's, I mean, it, it's sort of, um, he, it's a new translation of the Psalms. He just gives a bit every day. Um, and he'll, there's loads of footnotes where you can kind of look and and he'll explain some of the technical details of the Hebrew or the structure of it. But then after each bit, there's just a, a, a meditation, a paragraph or two about what you've just read. And it's so, so helpful. And it really, if you've not, you're not used to reading the Psalms, you're not used to thinking about them, then this book will really help you get into it. And, and that's so important. And I think this is the kind of thing that we need to be praying and thinking about. So, so if you are in a, an awake group of awake Christians, then maybe you could even use this book, um, you know, just or just read a psalm each time just to help, you know, guide your meditation and prayers about what we should be um, what we should be praying for. So do let me know what you think in the comments below or telegram me or email me through sacredmusingspod at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to, to know your thoughts, if you've got anything to add, uh, anything at all. But um, seeing as I've just been talking about the Psalms, let's finish with a, with a Psalm. And I thought that for our Bible um, passage today, we could have a few verses 
from Psalm 104. So Psalm 104 is quite a long psalm, and I'm not going to um, to read the whole thing. It's sort of, I'll just read the beginning and the end, or top and tail it. Uh, the middle part talks a lot about, uh, it's really looking at how the universe is not clockwork, but that God looks after the animals, even the rivers and waters and, and so on, uh, are not kind of random or, or just do things by clockwork, but because God wants them to, to do do things in that way. But let me just top and tail the psalm, um, Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendour and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chamber on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains, but at your rebuke the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys, to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. And then I'll skip down to, uh, to verse 31. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. Okay, so this psalm, the reason why I wanted to include this psalm was just because uh, it is about how great God is. And I think that's the most important thing, really, at the moment. Um it starts out, you know, Lord, you are very great. You're clothed with splendor and majesty. And he wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. So you think, you know, think about the brightest star. You know, we can't even look at directly at the sun. Or, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't look directly at the sun because it would it would damage our eyes. You know, this is the thing that it's it's so bright. It's It's hard to comprehend. And yet... God is so much brighter even than that. You know, he clothes himself with light and he stretches out the heavens like we would stretch out a tent. You know, that you can't comprehend how vast the universe is. God stretched it out. You know, God is the one who comprehends the, the, the depth of the universe, the greatness of it. And it just goes on and on about showing how great and, and big God is and that this world belongs to him that is the thing this world it doesn't belong to the government it doesn't belong to Klaus Schwab or Bill Gates or any one of the the other people uh, whoever it might be it belongs to the Lord it is his world and I think this should give us encouragement that you know, we need to praise God for his greatness. And if you're worried or scared 
about what's happening at all, then, you know, you need to, uh, and, and say you, I say we, need to have a greater vision of who God is because he is far greater than any of these other things that are going on. And as, as it says down at the, uh, at the bottom, um, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God. You know, we need to praise God for his greatness. Uh, but it says, but may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. So it's only one line in the psalm, but it's saying that's what our desire should be, that at the end of the day, the whole earth, you know, as it says in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we pray that God, that everyone would acknowledge that the Lord is king and would recognize his his greatness and his goodness. But we can trust him. And this is where I think it, it's so important to, to be thinking about God and, and, and who he is, that, you know, against whatever difficulties that we may be facing and you know we are facing very big difficulties at the moment we have a God who is even bigger than that and we need to give praise and glory to him and that's what we need to remember so I hope that that's uh, an encouragement as we come to the end and um, it's something which I need to constantly remember uh, as well that whatever troubles whatever difficulties we have personally and in the world God is bigger than all of that and God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine as well, which is a good way of, of good way to, to come into our prayer as we finish. So let's take a moment to pray and ask for God's help in all of these things. Heavenly Father, we know that um, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they, they cannot see the gospel and they cannot see Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, for those who are um, blinded by these other this other sort of satanic religion. We pray for release for the captives. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And we pray that many people would seek him rather than this alternative deceptive religion. Please give us the grace to, to trust you, not to use deceptive ways, um, but to always use godly and right means. And we pray, Lord, that above all, you would give us a bigger sense of who you are, how great you are, how good you are, and that you would help us um, to look to you um, and to take comfort in your splendour and your majesty and know that you can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So we pray for your help, for your blessing, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me. Um, if you're on YouTube, don't forget the like, subscribe thing if you haven't done that already. Uh, if you're on the audio podcast, um, don't forget the review rating um, if you can. That would be really helpful. Um, but have a lovely week. I'll see you again next week. But in the meantime, God bless.